Welcome to a balap balap balap. No, that was fake. Welcome to a new conversation with Hani and Peretz. This podcast and last one is sponsored by Dana and Svi Simpson. Dana graduated in 2014, and we thank them for their generous support. After last episode, we got some extraordinary feedback and interest in the conversation we had then. The feedback came from a wide range of people, from current students to alumni to family and friends, which always tells us something that we're not talking to one group of, of listeners. We, we really want to engage many. We, we want to share with you the beginning of the response to So, what is the mission? Reflecting back on our last episode, where we spoke about the utility that people find within Judaism, whether it's providing them a sense of belonging, whether it's providing them a sense of benefit. We've come to realize that this is a childish perspective on Judaism and on life. And when I say childish, I'm not dismissing it. You need to start out as a child. You need to start out with a perspective that is self-serving, self-nurturing, self-providing, and that is so important for the foundation of a person and their growth and maturity. But then there comes a point in time where you need to shift. You need to, in a certain sense, break away from that. You need to move away from that. You need to adult. And adulting means looking at something not from the perspective of what does it provide for me, what do I do with it, but from the perspective of now what can I achieve? What is something that is greater than myself that I can accomplish? And this is the element of the mission of Judaism. Perhaps to explain this further, when, when one absorbs a cost or when one um, chooses to sacrifice something, one is able to visualize a long-term purpose. That's another way of thinking of you know a greater than. Because even these terms that you're using are a little theoretical. Abstract. Yes. So it's the ability to look forward instead of looking and, and feeling just how am I feeling today. It's what am I doing today for the future. And that's something that we are really, really, you know, sharing with the students. Because... But it's not relevant only to students. No, but, but, but the reason we do it to students is because we have so many alumni... And we actually have our, our community of alumni far is far greater than the community of students. And we see that the, the ability to become an adult is, 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 is not, is not, it doesn't just happen just because you, you leave university and turn 22 and 23. And so... Or um, even have a family. Yeah. I don't know if we said it in a previous podcast, but sometimes you say there are so many adults who are like children with mortgages, meaning they're not really adults. They just happen to be older, and they have a mortgage, but their thinking, their, their pursuits are not adult-like. This idea of seeing Judaism as a mission is actually not novel to us. It's very much out there. In fact, it is the driving force behind the perspective of Judaism and Tikkun Olam being one and the same. And why the association between Judaism and Tikkun Olam is so strong and so attractive. 
because it gives that sense of Judaism being something greater than just following particular rituals in the isolation of my own life or within my own community. It speaks to the desire to have a broader and greater impact. And that's why it is so attractive to so many people. Uh, and it's also particularly attractive to young people who are really drawn by this, by this vision and by this attraction. Now, if you may recall of a conversation I had with an author who took to task those who associated between tikkun olam and Judaism and argued that tikkun olam and Judaism are unrelated. And he went even further to say perhaps it's even conflicting. And in that conversation, I challenged him and I asked him a question. I asked him, granted, fine, tikkun olam and Judaism are not related, but do you recognize the attraction of tikkun olam as a sense of a mission and a higher purpose and a higher calling and a greater impact? Does Judaism have that? And if it does, what is it? And if it doesn't, then there is a real void that is missing. And he acknowledged that that's not something he explored or discussed in his book. And I think what we want to do is we want to address that. So we're labeling it as a mission. Yes. And in fact, this mission is not seen as tikkun olam. Perhaps it, it even... Well, perhaps it is tikkun olam, but what is the olam? Mm. Right. Olam is not the greater world. It is. It is the person. Person. Vishvili nivraha olam doesn't mean for me the world was created. Instead, it means I am the world that was created. And the reason is because I'd say in a sense, the only thing that a person has dominance over, control over, real substantive influence is themselves. If one would reflect on this idea of making a choice versus having an impact on someone else, it's actually much more difficult to make a personal choice and commit to that and see that through than trying to influence someone else. And that's why you have a tremendous amount of influencers now and quote of the day and an inspirational workshop and a retreat. And then you have, you know, to an even larger degree, you know, one country going into another country and bringing democracy for them, thinking that they know better. But in the end, trying to influence and impact people, yes, sometimes it's very difficult, but it, but at the core of it, we cannot make choices for someone else. And perhaps it's an escapism. Yes, I, I, would, I would agree with you. Many people choose to um, influence others and avoid their own um, difficult internal conversations that need to take place so that they can make a shift in their lives. Oh, yes. Um, and so the tikkun olam that we're referring to is quite different and it almost disagrees with the traditional, it does, it disagrees with the traditional um, explanation of tikkun olam. And the, this, is, this is what we need to d explore further. This person is the, the center of, of Judaism and it's around this person that... Um, the way of life, um, Torah and mitzvot and values and ideas need to be centered around. Because when that person develops his or herself and when the person um, 
absorbs costs and shapes themselves, they become a better person. And it's only through individuals who are healthy and vibrant and deliberate in how they live their days can they then impact the other person. And I'd add, and godly. Yes, did I miss that? You missed that, (laughs) because that's at the core of it, which we will explore later. One might see this as being more selfish, but in fact, when we explore this next time even further, we will understand that this requires a certain selflessness, a, a certain sacrifice. So it, it doesn't, it's not seen as somebody who's selfish and only cares about themselves. The idea of it being centered first around the person is critical to it then heading out into the traditional understanding of Olam, which is the greater world. It needs to head there. We're not just missing that either. The difference between these two perspectives on Judaism, whether it's a utility in the form of providing belonging or benefits, or whether it's a mission, is not just a difference in semantics. It's a whole paradigm shift. The current model of viewing Judaism as a utility is what distinguishes, in a sense, what we'd say the different uh, denominations within Judaism. The cost that comes along with observance is pretty significant. So because of that, there have been different responses to that cost. One response has been the reform movement, where they basically discarded the restrictions of Shabbat, the restrictions of Kashrut, and others. Another perspective is to adjust the cost, to make it more palatable. So not driving on Shabbat is a difficult cost to bear. So that was the perspective of the conservative movement. Adjust that cost, that restriction. Another perspective, something very common uh, with what would you consider modern orthodoxy, is to ignore the costs. Uh, that are associated with Judaism uh, that are difficult. Another attitude is to increase, increase the consequences of somebody who disregards the cost. And that's basically done in the Haredi world, where basically if you, dis, if you step out of the community, you get sort of excommunicated informally because you've discarded the traditions because you didn't find it you you didn't find the utilities worthwhile you didn't find the cost bearable so you exited it and that's basically the paradigm within which conventional judaism operates within in the paradigm of it being a mission we're measuring it by the mission and the objective that you as an individual are tasked with and we're acknowledging that the cost And the sacrifice is part of the mission. And in that mission, you have a certain calling, a personal value that makes you count in a way that that nobody else counts. We're so glad you're listening as we record in Waltham, a quiet, quiet place during the summer. Please continue to share with us your feedback. And if you'd like to sponsor a further podcast, please reach out to Hani at anewconvo.com. And we would love if you rated our podcast on your favorite listening app and even reviewed it.